I think the investor today certainly is discouraged. Uh, we've been in a, a lengthy cycle of where we've not seen uh, share prices go up. Not many people are in a, in a good mood. It's a, a pretty tough environment today. But I think the demand is that we all look at this business differently. Uh, but what that means is a greater focus on the balance sheet, making sure that we've got room to navigate. We've got less debt relative to our earnings. Uh, we're, we're actually paying out less dollars uh, as a percentage of our, our cash flow generated. Uh, we think of that as dividend or distribution coverage. And so the market wants to see more coverage, less leverage, lower growth. We are in an environment where people don't really want to talk about 20% of growth per year. They want to talk about something that is more manageable, uh, which is probably a mid-single digits uh, type growth uh, with a solid distribution. And so... Uh, I think people are asking for uh, for all of us to focus on delivering return to shareholders in a combination of dividend and moderate growth. Uh, our plan, again, starts with increasing the profitability of our existing business. Secondly, we think down cycles and the cycle that we're in is going to create opportunities that we haven't seen in a while. Hello and welcome to the Stock Podcast. I'm Nate Abercrombie, the host of the only investing podcast that gives everyone the chance to hear public company CEOs and CFOs describe their business and provide the investment case for their company. In this episode, the Stock Podcast is really excited to bring you an interview with Barry Davis, the CEO of NLink Midstream, ticker symbol ENLC. When this interview was recorded, NLINK had a market cap of $2.5 billion, total debt of $4.7 billion, cash of $102 million, and a minority interest of $1.7 billion, putting the total enterprise value at just about $8.8 billion. Under the GIX classification system, NLINK falls within the energy sector. All right, I'll stop there. Let's get to the interview with NLINK Midstream CEO, Barry Davis. Thank you very much for joining me on this show and, and taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, it's great to be with you. I start off all these interviews with uh, my guest's background. So could you just tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, again, my name is Barry Davis. I'm chairman and CEO of InLink Midstream. I have been with InLink and the predecessor companies since the beginning, which is over 25 years ago when I led the founding of the previous company. And so uh, a role that I'm very familiar with and a company that uh, I'm very proud of and what we've been able to do over the last 25 plus years. Yeah. And, and so what brought you back to the role of, of, of CEO? I know that you had left, uh, I think it was, what, uh, two years ago? Yeah. So, so great question and timely. I did uh, leave the company in January of 2018, uh, left the CEO position. I didn't leave the company. I was executive chairman for about 18 months felt like it was the exact right timing to do that. Had a great successor in Mike Garberdine, who I'd worked with for over a dozen years. We were at a very stable place from a company standpoint, uh, had lots of good things going on in a very high growth period. Felt like the table was set and it was a great time for Mike to take over as CEO. As you know, and I'm sure many of the listeners know that uh, we've seen dramatic change in the industry environment in the last 18 months. And for us, uh, in particular, we've seen change with the Devon ownership change, which quite frankly started not long after I stepped out of the CEO position. Devon decided to sell its interest due to a need on its part to really accentuate uh, just a few core areas. And midstream investment was no longer something that they wanted to have as part of their company. And so 
They ultimately sold uh, in the middle of 2018 their position to uh, Global Infrastructure Partners, or GIP, as I will refer to them uh, frequently, I'm sure, throughout the uh, call here. And uh, that really began a series of changes that uh, ultimately led to, uh, about 90 days ago, uh, my being asked to rejoin the company as CEO and, and help navigate through something that certainly we've seen before. This is a cyclical industry. Uh, and so in the last, you know, since the beginning of InLink and its predecessors, we've probably seen four or five dramatic cycles. And this one uh, is no less than the challenge that we've seen before, but something that we have seen before and we're optimistic that we'll navigate through it. Uh, and I think you'll hear me say several times that we have a path to the other side of this cycle. And uh, today our focus is on executing through it. And I'm glad to be leading from the CEO position. Yeah, I would really like to get your thoughts on just the overall macro environment within energy right now. But before we get to that, could you could you talk a little bit about just the origin story for Enlink? Yeah, for sure. So again, we started from scratch. We started with a handful of relationships uh, that we were uh, consulting for in the early days, building projects, building infrastructure for producer customers that was all around just getting product from the wellhead to the burner tip. And, uh, and so that's how we started. Uh, the very earliest day started in 1992. And in 1996, we formed Crosstex Energy. And many of our folks will know us as Crosstex Energy before we became InLink uh, in 2014. Uh, so with our beginnings uh, really on the upstream end of the pipe, we are still very concentrated, uh, I mean, highly concentrated. 75% of our business is what you would characterize as gathering and processing. Uh, and about 25% of our business is downstream or delivery uh, market-facing uh, infrastructure. Uh, so to step through that a little bit, um, today we are in four core areas. Um, our GNP focus is, uh, first of all, in the uh, central Oklahoma stack play. We are the leading infrastructure provider, midstream player in that basin uh, with a significant volume of over 1 BCF, about 1.2 BCF a day of, of services provided from a gathering and processing standpoint. So the number one position in central Oklahoma Secondly, we are the leading infrastructure midstream company in the Barnett Shale uh, or North Texas, as we call it. Again, having about a BCF a day of, of throughput across our system in the North Texas area, but the number one position by far uh, in that play. Thirdly, on a GMP basis, we are a significant player in the Permian Basin with gathering and processing in both the Midland Basin and the Delaware Basin. Uh, we are uh, continuously are, are growing that position rapidly today, and, uh, and it really is a, a great source of growth for us going forward. Lastly, our fourth core area, we're the second largest midstream company in Louisiana, serving the, the Gulf Coast of Louisiana uh, on gas, crude oil, natural gas liquids, and uh, fractionation services that we provide in Louisiana. Uh, one thing that I would like to highlight when you look at the company today and where we are, uh, we've grown dramatically over the last uh, six years. We've grown from just over $200 million a year of, of earnings to this year will almost be $1.1 billion. So uh, more than a fourfold growth over the last five or six years. And so it's been a very heavy growth and, uh, and a fast-paced several years for us. Could, could you talk just a little bit about your corporate structure and how it differs from 
a lot of other midstream companies out there today? Yeah, so we really got our start as a classic MLP, Master Limited Partnership. We came public in 2002 as a Master Limited Partnership. Uh, Our general partner was originally held as a C-Corp that came public. It was actually the first pure general partner IPO that was done in January of 2004. So kind of leading into, if you will, the, the MLP and the general partner structure. We operated as that until uh, 2018, subsequent to GIP buying in the Devon interest. Uh, we moved forward with a process to do what we call a simplification transaction, which is simply merging the general partner and the master limited partnership in that transaction, we eliminated our incentive distribution rights. So today, we are a very simple LLC structure with a check-the-box C-Corp tax treatment. And so a very straightforward, uh, normal corporation structure today. Yeah. And what are some of the benefits of of the C-Corp structure as compared to MLPs? Yeah. So um, again, the simplified structure reduces, uh, I mean, creates efficiencies, reduces overhead associated with operating the two different companies. The elimination of the IDRs, uh, the incentive distribution rights, is certainly something that the market wanted to see happen, you know, in, in the last several years. That allows us to have a lower cost of capital and really return more value back to the shareholder of the common shareholders. And so uh, in a more efficient structure, I would say better returns to our shareholders. And lastly, Uh, We are index eligible on a number of indexes that we were not able to participate in as a master limited partnership. Uh, And then for those who are historical MLP investors, we always had to deal with the K-1 and in our structure today, that is no longer necessary. And so so that's really helpful for a retail investor not having to deal with the K-1s you get uh, from a tax standpoint. Yeah, thanks. You mentioned uh, being eligible for an index, and I I find this component really interesting within midstream today, just given the amount of passive investing going on. And from your perspective, do you think the midstream, just the midstream space as a whole is, has been really hurt in terms of, you know, investor interest by being ineligible for indice for, for indexing? Yeah, I certainly think that uh, that has been an issue, but I don't think it's as great of an issue as this general investor sentiment around the energy space. Uh, I think that's been a bigger issue than the index eligibility. And so uh, we just haven't been in favor. There's a lot of different ways to explain it, but I would say in the last um, you know five years and maybe even longer, energy's been out of favor. And so we're, we're all having to try to regain, if you will, the interest of the uh, investor uh, whether that's retail investors, institutional investors, and especially the generalist investors, we are uh, we're really trying to market ourselves and try to do the thing uh, that would bring them back to the midstream and, and energy space in general. Yeah, and, and what do you think is the biggest hurdle in, in getting generalist investors, retail investors back into midstream? Nate, I'm going to say uh, first of all, we have to create returns and value creation, and I think that's been that's been challenged in the in the last several years. I think we've been through a period of such heavy growth and competitiveness for opportunities in our business that we haven't had real return uh, to the extent that, you know, really is attracting the investors. So we've got to do a better job with that. We've got to run our companies more efficiently. We've got to make better investments and we've got to show real return to our shareholders. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is um, I think the, the other industries, 
uh, have done so well over the last, uh, you know, five to 10 years, many people have felt like they didn't need energy exposure. And so as a result, uh, and you know this, we've seen the share of the S&P decline from over 10% to, uh, I think, somewhere in the range of 4% today uh, for the energy industry. And so there's just been a lost uh, interest. And uh, I think in time, we will be able to get that back. But uh, there's certain things that we need to do also in, in the way that we run our companies. No, I, I can really appreciate that. The firm that I used to work for, we were benchmarked. Most of the funds were benchmarked off of the Russell 1000 growth index. And yeah, I think when I first started, it was close to 5%. Maybe I think it was close to 7% of the index energy that is. And when I left, it was less than 1%, which is just absolutely ludicrous. So could you talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned energy being out of favor and in your most recent presentation, I see that, you know, you have listed there a current headwind being just the evolving E&P landscape. Could you talk just a little bit more about what you're seeing right now? I think part of the investor demand has been for our industry to provide free cash flow. That is after we pay our dividends, after we pay our uh, our CapEx or our invest in our CapEx to have free cash flow that is actually building value in the company. And I think that demand, that drumbeat has been getting louder and louder over the last two or three years. Uh, I think it was first on the upstream side uh, where investors were demanding that producers invest within their own cash flow as opposed to uh, needing to access the capital markets. And so as we saw that occurring, uh, we started to see producers rethink the way that they were budgeting for their uh, their drilling and their capex plans and so naturally that led to uh, less activity uh, with less capital less activity results in less volumes of natural gas and crude oil that needs to be moved across the infrastructure that we own so that really has uh, ultimately resulted in where we are today which is in a lower growth environment than we were in the past now that we know that uh, we can adjust uh, we are making adjustments. Uh, we have recently, with me coming back into the CEO position, we've established very clearly what our execution priorities are. Uh, and our first and foremost focus is to increase the profitability on the existing assets that we have today. Uh, we think that there is latent capacity, there is latent profitability across all of our assets. And so we're asking our folks every day to do, with a sense of urgency, everything we can to drive more profitability across our assets. And so I think that's the appropriate and, um, and first execution priority that we have. If you'd like to continue listening to this interview, you'll need to become a member. To become a member, just visit stockpodcast.com. Members have access to all full-length episodes, and depending on the membership that you purchase, You can even have access to the transcripts. So just go to the website, thestockpodcast.com, and click membership at the top. Also, if you really enjoyed the music, you should check out Danheim. That's D-A-N-H-E-I-M. Mike at Danheim gave me permission to use the music for the podcast, and so a huge thanks to Danheim. And with that, take care and good luck with your portfolio.